Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Do you remember um, when grace first impacted you? Um, for some of you who don't know that, then uh, I'm sure there will be a moment in the, the foreseeable future. But like I, I was thinking about it, especially this weekend, and yeah, it was I'd been a Christian most of my life, and then it was about 2008 when I first uh, I had a revelation of grace. Every Christian understands grace, otherwise they can't be a Christian, right? So everybody knows grace, but all of a sudden I saw a dimension or an aspect of grace that I'd never seen before. I got angry because why haven't I heard this before? I thought it was all performance and all of this. And, and then I saw grace and I was like, wow, and it changed absolutely everything. It also made me miserable for a little bit because I had to undo stuff that I had learned and I had to reconstruct some things and whatever in my belief uh, system. You know, I thought that I had to try and please God. I thought that I had to beg for forgiveness. I thought that God was angry with me. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, none of that is true. God loves me. God accepts me. You know, He relates to me by grace, not according to how I perform or don't perform. So that changed everything. And um, it, it's funny because in the past um, year or so, I've been going through a similar experience. And uh, uh, I didn't know, that I didn't um, recognize it as an experience like this. Um, until I was speaking to a pastor friend of mine from the other side of the country. Uh, he's a, a, an older a, a guy, um, and uh, he's been a pastor much longer than maybe I've been alive. And, uh, you know, we were just enjoying fellowshipping and on the phone. And uh, at, after an hour and a half or so of talking, <laughs> he says, you know, now we're busy finishing off the conversation. He says, you know, I've, I've uh, uh, really been going through a revolution in my life lately. And I said, oh, you know, that's interesting. You know, and he says, yeah, you know, it's like, you know what Grace did to me a few years back when, when I, I came out of legalism and I started to, to see Grace? He said, it's a similar kind of thing. And I was like, really? I've been going through a similar thing. Like, tell me more. And so we started like just chatting a bit about it very broadly. And we realized, like, and, and then he labeled it and he said, it's all got to do with this union in Christ. And we, we started speaking about that because it was exactly the same journey that we're on, not having spoken probably for three years. And uh, it was just amazing to see how uh, God is actually at work taking us deeper in grace. That's what it is. It's not a new thing. It's not a different thing. It's just deeper in grace. And it's like, um, I remember a, a sermon I heard, I don't know, 2000 or something like that. And it was called Back to the Future. And this guy who was preaching, uh, he, he went through church history and he showed how in every period of history, God is trying to restore something that's been lost. You know, so you've got, um, I don't remember all the different movements, but even the Salvation Army was really something that God was trying to restore uh, into the body of Christ of, you know, don't just become a holy huddle, but go out there and reach people. Uh, uh, you know, apparently, you know, well, it's easy to see it, but church became about buildings. And uh, so then there was a movement that started like getting out of buildings and started meeting under trees. And things like that. And, you know, unfortunately, some people get stuck at their movement. And I remember hearing him say that, like, you know, in every movement, you know, then you had the charismatic renewal. Then you had not grace. And before, when he was preaching this, I didn't 
it was long before I, I understood grace. Um, and grace has always been there. <clears throat> people have always understood it, but it's like all of a sudden it catches on. And people are like awakening to something. And, um, and so anyway, he said, um, you know, if when things like this happen, we've got to be careful not to get stuck there. Like build your tabernacle, want to entertain uh, what's it, Elijah, and then kind of camp on the mountain just because Elijah appeared. It's like no, we don't we don't build a tabernacle, a, 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 a memorial, and camp out at the memorial around what God's done ten years ago. We've got to keep moving, and we've got to keep uh, seeing what is He saying to us, how uh, um, you know what is He wanting to restore to us. And yeah, that really stuck with me. So even when I started to see grace, I was like, I'm going to be careful not to make this a legalistic thing in my life. I know, I know some people, probably nobody here, I, I'm pretty sure, become legalistic about grace. <laughs> you know, it's like someone will, will breathe a little bit of legalism in their conversation and uh, the, the grace police will come out. You know, uh, you can't say that God's not like that, or whatever the case is. And you know, it's not like that. Of course, God forgives you. Or I don't know what the conversation is, but you, you get what I mean. We can easily fall into traps like that, where we become legalistic or set on something when we should keep growing. It should be something organic. And you know, as I was meditating on this, yeah, you know, I realized like this is something. It's having the same effect in my life that grace did when I started to see grace for the first time. I was a Christian, but I went deeper into grace. Okay? Yeah, every Christian um, is one with Christ, but not every Christian understands oneness with Christ. And then we all understand it maybe in different degrees. You might know more than me, I might know more than someone else, whatever, but that determines our experience of it. And, you know, so we've got to learn more about this to be able to go deeper into this because. I believe this is going to bring so much fruitfulness in our lives. And so, you know, as I was meditating on all this, I realized, like, number one, revelation, we've got to realize, is not something new. So it's like, just because you had a revelation of grace doesn't mean it's new for Etienne. Just because you have a revelation about something doesn't mean it's new for someone else. Revelation is, the, the revelation is new for you. <laughs> it's an unveiling of something that already is. Okay, uh, if someone comes up with a revelation that is new, then I would be worried, because <laughs> there is nothing new. You know, everything that we need to know is is in the Word. But it's how we read the Word, how we study the Word that changes. The way I've studied the Word in the last two years, specifically, has changed because I see the Word differently. I'm, I, I, I'm interpreting it in a, in a, I believe, a healthier way now. Okay, and um, a lot of that has come through in the, the new discipleship lessons, but that's another story. The second thing that, that, that I realized as I was meditating on this is that you, you, humility is a position of the heart that will always keep us growing. Humility is a position of the heart that always keeps us growing. So if you want to grow in, in anything in life, but specifically now your relationship with God, you want to be humble in, in, in the way of saying, hey, I might not know everything. Like, maybe I am wrong. Like, I, I think I've said it a couple of weeks back, but uh, a friend of mine uh, uh, got into some wacky things, doctrine-wise. And, um, you know, he, he was challenging me on it, and I sat and listened to him, and we engaged on it, because I was like, okay, maybe he sees something that I'm missing. Like, I don't want to miss out on something. 
You know, let me check this out. And I checked it out and I was like, I can shoot so many holes in what you just said with, with a few scriptures. Like, you're wrong. Like, you know, and, and you know, so, so it doesn't, just because you get new information doesn't mean it's wrong. But that new information needs to be tested against the Word. Amen? And if it can pass the test of the Word, then you need to change. I remember, I think I also shared this testimony recently, but it's worth sharing again. In, back in 2003, I remember listening to a teaching from Andrew Womack on um, sovereignty of God. And if you've ever listened to that one, I think it's two hours and it's boring. It's dead boring. He's just speaking to the microphone in a monotone voice like he does. And it's, it's just boring. And I remember listening to this, thinking this guy's blessed me so much, I'm going to keep listening. <laughs> and, and I was listening to what he was saying and I was like, there's a lot of stuff here that's really wrong. I don't like it. Like it's, 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 it sounds like um, really off. And I said, but you know what? He, he hasn't let me down yet. So, you know, I'm not an Andrew only guy, but I was like, let me, let me check it out. And I wrote down, listened to it a couple of times, wrote down all the scriptures that he spoke about. And then I, I went and studied it out for myself. And I was like, I've got a lot of things to change. And I was miserable for a few months in trying to undo things that I believed that were wrong to redo. Because this is the thing, we tend to hold on to things that we were taught or we've always believed, not realizing, hey, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I remember speaking to someone, their life wasn't a mess. And I was like giving them the answer from the word. This is the answer. And then they're like, no, no, no. What works for you works for you. <laughs> that's, that's what you believe. It's not what I believe. And I was like, but let's just, let's just look at, is what you believe working for you? It's not. I believe it's working for me. Maybe you should consider what I'm, I'm believing. You know, so we, we should never be too full of pride because it'll assume, it, it will stifle the life of God in us if we're a believer. Or it'll prevent us from getting to the truth. And it'll cause us to really just become religious. Okay, so Hebrews 13, verse 8 to 9, I want to read it from the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange uh, uh, new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which, do, uh, which don't help those who follow them. Okay, so this, this scripture is awesome. The, King, the New King James says, Don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines. The Passion says, Don't let anyone lead you astray with all sorts of novel and exotic teachings. Okay, so you know, if you read that and you think about it, don't, um, how does the New Living put it there? Don't be attracted by strange new ideas. Okay, if you see me for the first time, you might think I'm strange because you're not familiar with me. If you hear something uh, uh, teaching-wise and it's not what you're used to, it makes it strange to you, but it doesn't make it a strange doctrine. It's what makes it strange or an exotic teaching <laughs> is it, not that it's new to you, but that it's, it's new to Christ. Because it starts off then, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And then it goes on to say, you know, we shouldn't be established in the law, in meats, in food, in rituals. We should be established in grace, what Jesus has done for us. And so if a teaching is different than grace, that's what we should be wary of. If a teaching is different than focusing on Jesus and glorifying Jesus, and now all of a sudden it's, it's, it's putting pressure on you and making you have to do all the work, and it's pulling away from the glory of Jesus and what He's done for us, then I would be wary. There's a lot of strange teaching in the body of Christ worldwide which isn't strange to believers. 
We're familiar with it. We like it. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's stifling the life of God. It's stifling fruitfulness. It's preventing us from enjoying what God's got for us. So don't disregard new information when you're confronted with it. Go and investigate it. Go, go, and, go and check it out in the Word. Okay, Ephesians. That's the book we're in. We're looking at the reality of Christianity. Okay, and I, I do an introduction like that because I'm, the things that I'm sharing from this have challenged me. They were strange sometimes. And so I don't know, maybe they would be strange for some of you. So that's why I have to kind of do that build up. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 to 6. <clears throat> New King James. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. We're blessed already. It's past tense. Blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame in, uh, before Him in love having predestinated us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Last week we looked at accepted in the Beloved. We looked at chosen. We looked how we're not condemned. And that was really, uh, 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 I, I really enjoyed it. It ministered to me. And uh, uh, I encourage you to go and listen to it if you, if you weren't sure. But in this passage, and, and throughout um, what's it, Ephesians chapter 1, we see Paul talking about believers as in Christ. Okay? Believers are, 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 he's revealing to us that we're in Christ. Now, in Scripture it also says that Christ is in us. That's the mystery. Colossians 1 verse 27. The mystery revealed is Christ in us. That's Christianity. Okay, And it's like, um, this is the oneness that I'm talking about. The union that we have with God. That we're, He's in us and we're in Him. I, I was in uh, Stellenbosch this morning and um, um, Bernard Ewart was uh, speaking. It was an awesome message in the English service. And uh, he, he was saying, you know, we're in Christ. Christ is in us. It's, it, it's like, I think the elements are copper and tin. I might be horribly wrong. I had to Google it when he spoke about it. But if you mix them together, you get... <laughs> now I can make up anything. <laughs> but uh, you, you get... I'm looking at the engineer at the back and he's not even budging. But, but you get like whatever you get. Like it's bronze. You get bronze. And he's, he was saying how you can't like tell the difference between the copper and the tin. It's now one. And we often look at the Christian life as, as two pieces of paper stuck together. We often look at the Christian life as two things stuck together, which you can rip apart. But it's, it's more like copper and tin mixed together, that it becomes an element which seems like one. That's Christianity. The Spirit of God coming into you, and it's one, so one that there's, there's no separation. Okay, that's what we're talking about with this in Ephesians, and that's what the, 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 the reality of Christianity is in Christ. We're in Christ, He's in us. This is the in Christ that it's when it says that it's talking about our, our vital life giving union with Christ. Okay, it's talking about what every Christian should be enjoying and most don't. Why? Because we've made Christianity about. Ten Commandments, about having to go to church, about having to do good works, about having to try and be a better person, about whatever. All these have-tos, when it's actually a, I get to go to church, I get to live a holy life, I get to whatever, but I also, you know, 
it, it's about my friendship with Him, my oneness with Him, and I can enjoy Him. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. He that is joined into the Lord is one spirit with Him. This is what Christianity is. The Spirit of God living in you, you're one with Him. Like one to the exclusion of any other, they, that you cannot separate the two. You know? how, how close do you feel to God right now? is irrelevant because you're, you're, you're closer than the breath you're breathing right now. You, you might say, hey, you know, I've had a bad day. I think I'm probably 60% close to God or whatever. You're wrong because <laughs> it's not about what you feel. The, the spiritual truth is you're, you're 100% close to God 100% of the time and that's the reality that we have to awaken to as believers. For years and years and years, church has been promoting this idea around the world of you are far from God and you need to get closer to God. Let's send the offering bags. <laughs> you know, you're far from God. Come and tell me all your sins. Please don't. If you really need to. <laughs> you know, I always say to guys, especially on a men's camp, if it's, even this camp, someone came to me. It's like, what is the Bible talking about with confession? And I was like, okay, this guy wants to say something. I was like, if it's weighing in on your heart and you need to share it with someone, you can share it with me. But otherwise, just say, thank you, Jesus, I'm forgiven. Like, just move on. You know, but, but that's the thing. It's like, it shouldn't be institutionalized where now there's control. You know, you don't have to come to your God through me. Praise God, I'm not available 24-7. My phone goes on silent when I sleep. I trust in the Holy Spirit that if there's a real crisis, He'll wake me up. <laughs> I know some pastors whose phones are on all the time, and it's like, you don't get to sleep much. You know, because if people know that you're, you're, your phone's on, then, you know, but if they know that the Holy Spirit's always on, <laughs> then they have to ask the Holy Spirit to wake me up. But who, He who is joined to the Lord is one Spirit with Him. You are fused together with Christ. Christianity is a fusion that's taken place. Okay? His life has become your life. Okay? You've got the life of God in you now. 1 John 5 speaks about that we're born of God. Think about what it means to be born of God. If you're born, I always want to default to chicken, and that's the worst example that you can use. Because what, what does a chicken give birth to? An egg. Okay? So let's use a dog rather. Like, if you're born of a dog, you're a dog. You know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're born of a chicken, you're eventually a chicken. But the point is, it's like everything give, uh, uh, reproduces after its own kind. Amen? Everything produces after its own kind. I'm not saying you are a God, but I'm saying that you've got God's DNA inside of you because you're born of Him if you're born again. That's why we use the terminology born again. Okay? You, you, you're nothing and no one can separate this fusion that you have with Christ, this togetherness, this oneness. In your mind you might feel far, but that's in your mind, that's in your soul. Your spirit is one with Him. Physically you might not feel Him. It's not about our feelings. It's about the truth. And the truth, sometimes we don't feel the truth. I remember when I first went into full-time ministry, I went on a, a trip to go for some training up in Pretoria, um, and uh, so I, I caught a bus, and that was the last time I did that, all the way up to Pretoria, and uh, then I, I went for this training, and then I went down to, I think, Durban and East London, and I came back to Cape Town, 
And um, the whole trip, I felt the tangible presence of God. Like, it was amazing. You know, it was really amazing. The whole time I get home, after two weeks of constantly experiencing God's uh, uh, presence, I sit down on my couch in my room, a bachelor, and uh, 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 I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't feel anything. (laughs) I've just finished my training and um, now I'm like I'm supposed to be in ministry and I don't feel those goosebumps anymore. God, where are you? Like, am I supposed? Should I? Shouldn't? Should I have stayed in in Gauteng? God, like that's where I felt the presence more. But please, Lord, no. <laughs> you know, I kind of like was going like this, and God said to me, it was really cool. He said to me, you got a choice to make. Okay, my word says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can choose to believe that, or you can choose to seek a feeling, and you'll always be up and down. And I was like, I don't like the up and down. I'm going to go for the word which says, and I'm just going to believe it. So I got up and then I went out and I went to minister to someone or have coffee or something. And like I never had a down day again like that. Because it was all of a sudden like, hey, you're never going anywhere. We have this, this, this separation mentality in Christianity which we need to eradicate. You know, and unfortunately, a lot of teaching is what even teaching I've done in the past has, has kind of promotes a separation mentality, even with it, um, good intentions. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Come to God, right? come to the throne with boldness and confidence in your time of need. Amen? Like we can come to God boldly and confidently in our time of need. And then I look at that scripture and I look at the context and I'm like, Paul, well, no, not Paul, whoever wrote the thing, is talking to the Jewish mind, and he's saying, hey, yeah, Jesus is the way to the Father, the way to salvation. Come boldly to the throne of grace to get the salvation. And then now that you've come, you don't leave and have to come back. And leave and have to come back. Because that was the old covenant mentality of bringing a sacrifice. Once a year you come, you bring and you go. And you have to approach and you go. And he's like, that, that's not for us as believers. I mean, then you get Hebrews chapter 10, where it speaks about the sacrificial system. And eventually, and I'm going to forget the, the way that the verse goes. So let me look at it quickly. I was quoting it on the weekend as well, and I completely forgot how to put it. But Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And I mean, that's a favorite scripture to start off worship with. We have boldness to enter in to the holiest. So, so, so we can enter in. No, you can't. If you're a Christian, you're already in. <laughs> you're in. So, so what we've got to do is stop separating ourselves from God in our minds and start seeing how close we are. On your worst day, you're closer to Him then you're the same closeness as on your best day. You, you, you think of the, the most amazing Christian minister, whatever, that you know. Okay, someone other than me. <laughs> no, you're thinking of whoever, and you're like, wow, they're so close to God. You know, and yet you're exactly the same closeness, you just don't realize it. That's, that's what I'm talking about. We've got to get rid of this separation mentality. You know, many Christians see their Christian life as a second chance. And it is kind of. Praise God for another chance. Amen? But it's more like a new beginning. And we don't realize how much of a new beginning it is because you know, it's not just a, a message we believe and now we try harder. It's a message we believe and now you're a new creation. Bam! There you go. 
completely new. You know, you're a new person and when you come to realize how new you are, then you start to experience the transformation. Okay, Ephesians 1 verse 13. New Living Translation. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, and when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own. The footnotes in the New Living puts, or He put His seal on you, or or He put His seal on you, by giving you the Holy Spirit which He promised long ago. Okay, so now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the gospel that, uh, that God saves you. When you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the, the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. There's so much in this verse. The gospel is a message you believe, not a message that you just do. It's a message that you believe and then it changes you. The moment you believe it, it changes you. Okay? We'll be talking more about that, I'm sure. You know, Christianity is all about our union, our oneness with Christ. The moment we say yes to Him, we believe the gospel, we're fused together with Him. You can't become more one with Him than you already are. You can discover more of that oneness, but you can't become more one with Him. You already are one with Him. You're now a new creation. You can't become more of a new creation. You can start acting like it, but you are a new creation. You know, you're a dwelling place of God. You can't get more of God in you, but you can start acting as if God's more of God's in you. Amen? And we all know someone that didn't come tonight who should be acting more like that, because we're perfect. <laughs> Amen? But the point is, is that we've got to realize what we've got. You know, faith in this gospel, grace, results in the Spirit coming to live in you. That's what this verse is saying. The moment you believe, you're sealed. The moment you believe you've got the Spirit of God dwelling in you, you're now His dwelling place. Okay? This was God's plan from the beginning. This is what He even promised to Abraham. I mean, look at the end there. Whom He promised long ago. Who did He promise? He promised the Spirit all the way even to Abraham. Okay, so let's look at that. Galatians 3.14 through, Jesus, uh, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Now why I bring this up is because in Ephesians chapter 1, it mentions the word blessing, and we've already looked at this, we automatically think of money. It mentions the word inheritance, and we automatically think money. But the blessing and inheritance that Ephesians chapter 1 is primarily talking about is the blessing of the inheritance of the Holy Spirit. What more do you want? That's eternal. That's awesome. Okay, and this is what he even promised to Abraham. He didn't promise money to Abraham. Abraham had money. People get confused there. It's not money. Okay, it's the promised Holy Spirit through faith. This is salvation. The Spirit of God now living in you, which is eternal. Money can burn. (laughs) We all want money. We can use money. It's fine. It's not evil. You know, but the Spirit of God living in you is much more valuable than that. Okay, Ezekiel 36. This is showing us what God was promising throughout the whole Old Testament. It's pointing to this very thing. Uh, Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. 
Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give to you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Now what I love about this is how legalistic people take this the wrong way. (laughs) What this is saying is that God's going to put His Spirit in us. This didn't happen until Pentecost. Okay? It only happened there. So so now He's saying, I'm going to put my Spirit in you. And what will you, being now uh, uh, one one with God, one with the Spirit, what is that going to accomplish? It's going to accomplish... It's going to cause you to walk in my statutes and keep my judgments. It's going to cause a fruitfulness of godliness. Legalism says you've got to demonstrate godliness to be saved. Or demonstrate godliness in order to have a relationship with God. But the gospel says you have a relationship with God. You receive the Spirit of God. And because of that you can now live a godly life. You don't live a godly life to get close to God. You get close to God and you can live a godly life. You become one with Him and it causes that. 1 John 5 verse 1 Whoever believes that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is born of God. So now, this is what I'm ta- I said earlier. We're talking about becoming a child of God, being born of God. And so now you've got God's ability in you as a believer. 1 Corinthians 3.16 You should know that you yourselves are God's temple. God's Spirit lives in you. So this is what a Christian is. This is what we are if we're believers. Dwelling places of God. You know, people are looking for God. They're looking for Him. They go to all over the world. They find some crazy places to try and find God. And yet, they just have to look for you. You know, you're His ambassador. You're His address. They they shouldn't look further than us. So we are where He's living. Christianity is not just a, a new belief system. It's not just you trying harder. It's, it's you filled with His Spirit. You one with His Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17 in the Passion says, But he, the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one Spirit with Him. So it's like now you believe the Gospel and now all of a sudden you're full of God. You're one with God. Your spirit is actually His spirit in you now. And it's one, so one, that you, no, you can't separate the two anymore. Okay? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you're completely new. Okay? You're not just a... a, 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 a you're not ordinary. Okay? You're different now. John 14 verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I go to the Father. This is saying that through our union, our relationship with Him, we now have a new ability. We have His ability in us to be able to live a supernatural life. Okay? What I like the construction of that sentence because he says... Um, because I'm going to be with the Father. Why does he say that? Because Jesus also said, you know, I'm going so that I can send the Spirit. I'm going and then the Spirit will come and He will guide you into all truth. He will lead you into all truth. 
You know, Jesus said, Acts 1a, the Spirit will come and He'll empower you and you're going to be able to do supernatural works. So you live a supernatural life because of His ability in you. Okay? So we can do the same works that He did because we've got the Spirit. We've got Him in us. Okay? We've got the blessing of Abraham. That's what it's saying. The blessing of Abraham being the Spirit. By faith. So, primarily, what is the blessing? Galatians 3.14. Galatians 3.14 from the New Living Translation. It says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Okay? So how does the Bible define blessing here? Okay? How does the Bible define blessing? In different places it means different things. And two weeks ago, whenever it was, I looked at, I think, the three or four different blessings, word for blessings, in in, um, most of the New Testament. But in this context, it's saying that the blessing is what was promised to, to Abraham, the promise of the Spirit. This is the blessing. Okay, what more do you want than God's Spirit, the resurrection life and power living inside of you? You know, some, some argue that, you know, the, the blessing obviously includes riches, you know, and I think it can lead to riches, but it's got nothing to do with riches in itself. It, this is an eternal thing that we've got. Yes, Abraham had, had wealth and stuff, but I mean, he got that in different means. <laughs> He was a businessman, but he also he, 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 he deceived a king, told his wife as a sister, and you know, he got wealth in different ways that we shouldn't get wealth like that. Amen? Look at Hebrews 11 verse 39. Yeah, this is really key. It says, and all these, and these, sorry, and these all, speaking about all the people that it mentions there, including Abraham, obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. So Abraham got a promise, but he received not the promise. He didn't get the fulfillment of the promise. The the promise came through him, but the promise was the Spirit. He had money, but he didn't have the promise. What was the promise? It was the Spirit of God. Okay? It was the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Paul's praying, and we're going to get into this prayer uh, in coming weeks, and he says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. So the blessing is the inheritance that's in you. The blessing is an inheritance which is in you. The ultimate blessing is the Spirit of God living in you. Okay, when you realize that this, this is the blessing, that you, you've got God now dwelling in you, it gives you a boldness in your relationship with God. It gives you a confidence in your relationship with God. When you realize He's not going and coming and going and coming, but He's staying with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Then what does it do? It brings a boldness and a confidence in the way that you live, in the way that you relate to people. When you know that you've got this resurrection life and power, the healer living in you, it's easier to, 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 to pray for someone, minister healing to them. Because why? You, you, you know that the healer's in you. You're not hoping that something will happen. You know. Yeah, so what is true Christianity? If you, if, you, if you start to think about that, you know, you have to ask the question really, what separates a Christian from anyone else? And I think the world would have many interesting answers to that. 
Okay? But then if we think in terms of Christian, how would a Christian answer that? What separates us? I mean, one of the easy answers is grace. Okay? And that does separate us from, from, from any other religion. But what separates us? Is it baptism in water that separates us from other religions? No, because you can take a Buddhist and baptize them in water and they're still a Buddhist. Unless they believe, you know? You, you can, you can, anything that we do as Christians, other religions can do. Communion. Anyone can take communion. You know, I don't know what else. Anyone can sing songs and worship and raise their hand. So, so that doesn't separate us from the world, from any other religion. What separates us is we've got God living inside of us, tangible. It's, it's not just a mystical reality, it's a, a spiritual, tangible reality. God dwells in us. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is, your, uh, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. So true Christianity is not in rules and regulations. You know, it's not in, in, in a new lifestyle. It's in this relationship with the Spirit of God living in you and you now just yielding to that and following Him in you. Okay? The moment that we believed you got this, you were sealed with this. You know, I looked up the word sealed. And in the Greek, it's not an animal <laughs> that you find at the harbor. You know, it, it means to stamp with a signet or private mark for security or preservation. It can also mean to mark a person or set a mark upon someone in order to confirm, authenticate, to place beyond a doubt a written document or one's testimony. So, you know, when I, when I looked at all this, I realized a Christian is no longer ordinary because they are marked with the Spirit of God. That's what separates us. We are marked with the Spirit of God. The Spirit in us sets us apart because now we're children of God. Okay? And that, and that is huge. You know, um, um, let's look here quickly. John 14, 12. Most assuredly I say to you, we've looked at this. He who believes in me, the works that I will do, he'll also do in greater works than these because I go into my Father. So Jesus is saying that, 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 that we will be marked with the Spirit so that we will be separated, we'll be different. We're going to have the Spirit, now we'll be different in that we can do the same things He did in greater works than these. You know, Mark 16 verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the Word with signs following. The Lord was with them, working with them. They weren't just working for God. We're not just working for God. We're not just witnessing for God. God is witnessing with us and through us. That's, that's something radically different to religion. Acts 1 verse 8 from the Living Bible. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to testify about me and with great effect to people in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world, earth, about my death and resurrection. So this mark of the Spirit that's upon you is at work to authenticate the message or testimony of the gospel wherever you go. I mean, that, that's huge. So it's like you're not just sharing empty words with people. 
You're sharing words which are backed up with power because you've got God with you, in you, who can minister with you in that moment. That's huge. Two more thoughts here. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14 says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. So, you know, when we received Jesus and became Christians, you know, His Holy Spirit sealed us. His Holy Spirit marked us. As in, now you belong to God. He marked you. And it's like, now you belong to God. Like, and it's, 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 it's not just like a tattoo. <laughs> okay? It, it's something more significant than a tattoo. Okay? It's the Spirit of God. It's alive. It's a he, it's a person. And now you're one with him. You're power packed with the blessing of God. And uh, 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 now you can live from that place of knowing God is with you. God is in you. you know, we, we have to awaken to this as a, a, a realization for us as Christians. Realizing we're one with him and nothing's going to change that. On your worst day, your biggest mistake you make, nothing's going to change that. You haven't read your Bible today, it doesn't change that. <laughs> you forgot to pray, it doesn't change that. Those things help you realize what you've got. Those things help you to get position yourself to be able to enjoy everything that God's got for you. But it doesn't change God's heart towards you. It changes your heart towards God. That's why you come to church. Not because God wanted you to, for, for His sake. It's for your sake. <laughs> he, he wants you to come for your sake. You don't go to church for you. You go to church for... Uh, you don't go to church for Him. You go to church for you, for the family, to learn to grow. Not so that God thinks, that's my boy, that's my girl, like, that's awesome. You, you, you did it. Like, you, you could have stayed home and God was pleased with you. You know, you could, you could have done anything else and, and God would have been with you. He wasn't waiting here for you. We were. <laughs> and we're glad that you're here. He's glad that you're here, I'm sure too. Because now your heart hopefully has changed towards Him even more and that you're like, wow, God's treating me in grace. Even when I'm a moron, like He's one with me. And He's not letting me go. And I can enjoy fellowship with Him because of the blessing which I've now got inside of me. Amen? Now this is, this is something which just keeps growing for me and keeps going deeper. And it's showing me that, hey, there's nothing that I can do to increase in oneness with Him. Yeah, in a lot of Christian circles that I've been in even, it's like, now, now that you're saved, like you have to do all of these things. Hoops. You're like a circus. Hoops that you have to jump through in order to get closer to God and be approved by God. And yet, it's a, the family of God, not the circus of God. Sometimes we act like the circus of God. <laughs> Sometimes there's a lot of crazy that goes on. If you've never heard of it, then uh, well, that's good for you. But we've seen a lot of crazy. You know? And it sometimes is a bit like a circus. But the point is, is that we don't have to perform for God. You know, I hesitate to say it like this, but He wants to perform for you in your life. He wants you to sit back and see what He can do in your life. He doesn't sit back and wait to see what you can do with your life. He's waiting for you to be able to say, Okay, God, have some space. Go for it. And now just that faith activates the blessing, the Spirit in your life to be able to see something significant, see something awesome come to pass. And that's what we, 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 we've got to start to realize is it's not all on you. It's not all on, on, on your uh, having to do everything right in order to have a great life. It's you just looking to Jesus 
looking to the Spirit within you and following that. Continuously yielding. Last scripture, um, Romans chapter 12. I don't have it there on the screen, but uh, Romans chapter 12 from verse 1. Trying to decide which uh, translation to use here. New King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is really how we walk out our Christian life. It's just by a, being a living sacrifice. You're not dead. You're alive, and you're just continuously saying yes to God. You're saying yes to God. When you see something in the Word and, and, and you're confronted with something and you realize that you need to change, you're going, yes, Lord. Or if you feel God's directing you in, in a certain path, you're like, yes, Lord. You, know, you, you realize that, hey, you, you, you should maybe focus on God more. That, that's even just a yes, Lord. And the more yes you say to the Lord, the more you start to see the, 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 the blessing, the Spirit in operation in your life. The more you're heading in the same direction as Him. So Father, I want to thank You that we can, we can rest assured that You are always with us, that we're one with You, that nothing can change, that nothing can, can uh, separate us from Your love. Nothing can, can undo this, this fusion that we've experienced, this oneness that we have with You. We thank you that, that we are one with you. That wherever we go, you go. Even when we come to church, we're bringing you with. And I pray for every single one of us that our, the eyes of our understanding would just be open. Especially this week ahead to realize that every minute of every day in every situation... You're there. You're there to help us. You're there to, to strengthen us. You're there to guide us. You're there to, to give us the wisdom that we need in, in making decisions. You're never leaving us. You're never forsaking us. Even when we make mistakes, you're, you're, you're there. And you're wanting to help us and guide us out of that. You're never condemning us. You're not treating us as we deserve. You're treating us far better than we deserve. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your amazing love. Thank you for your, your amazing grace. Thank you that the, uh, the moment we believed the gospel, the good news of what you've done for us, the moment we believed, we became fused together with you, became filled with your presence, we became your dwelling place. And nothing ever changed that. Nothing ever changed that. You cannot increase God's Spirit in your life. You cannot decrease His Spirit in your life. You can perceive more and you can perceive less, but you can't increase it. You can't decrease it. We thank you for that, Father. Let's just, be, just with your eyes closed, just begin to focus in on, on the Spirit of God within you. And just... Just, just, just begin to thank Him. In, in your heart, you don't have to, 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 to pray loud or anything. Let's just, just spend a moment just enjoying the presence of God that's in you.
And just, just, just focus on Him and just be thankful. There's no pressure. You don't have to do anything except just focus on Him and, and just begin to thank Him that He's there. I, I know, I know some, some of you are probably going through a rough time right now and there's like darkness and challenging situations and things like that. Picture that, the, the, that situation and you in it with, with God right there. Jesus is there with you. Because you're one with Him. And He's even closer to you than the picture of Him standing next to you. Because you're one with Him. He's in you. You just need to start to see this reality. Wake into this reality. No matter what's going on, you've got supernatural ability to overcome. God Himself with you, in you, through you. And if everything is going well, He's still with you to help you go further. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now just for an increase in revelation of you in us, for all of us. That we don't have to do anything to connect with you because we're connected. We just have to look to you. We just have to realize what we've got. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.